Why are dirty midget sliders okay for some and not others? We'll discuss that on today's show. Plus, big money for Jonathan Davenport. Drama with the All-Stars and a bunch more from the weekend. Let's go. Today is Monday, June 6th, 2022. Welcome into Dirt Tracker Daily. I'm Justin Fiedler. I'm going to start today off with Indiana Midget Week, and I'm going to do so because of the chatter following last night's show at Hopstad. I know that will probably turn some of you off because non-wing talk is really never good for my video views, but oh well. Uh, we have the first three nights of Midget Week complete, which included two Buddy Kofoid wins and Thomas Meserol winning last night. In the year-long points, Kofoid has stretched away quickly now from Justin Grant and leads by 52 points. In the Midget Week standings, Kofoid leads JG by 42. Through the first two nights, Friday at Bloomington and Saturday at Lawrenceburg, Kofoid was in top form. He battled on Friday with Chance Crum in lap traffic before getting away late thanks to a very well-timed restart. It was a fun battle, though, uh, between the leaders in lap traffic before that caution uh, ended up uh, kind of taking that or that uh, battle away from us a little bit, but a nice run there from Chance Crum as well. On Saturday at the Berg, Kofoid started six, but was leading by lap three and was basically gone from there. It was his fourth straight USAC midget victory. And hat, to, uh, hat tip to the Keith Coons Motorsports guys for getting Kaylee Bryson back into that race after that very early flip for her. That car needed quite a bit of work, and they did a hell of a job to get her rolling again. Now, on to last night at Hobstop. The murmurs about the racing kind of started with the Knights B-Main, and Chris Bowie was one of the biggest offenders early on. He definitely had some questionable moves and decisions. Uh, with the last of those coming on the final lap, he was locked in a battle for the transfer with Jace Park and Logan Seavey, and in turn three coming to the checkered, Seavey got wiped out, and Bowie ended up taking the final feature transfer spot. Wasn't really a good look for him, but I've certainly seen far worse moves from kind of much more high-profile drivers. Uh, with just kind of what happened in the B-Man, I was a little surprised that some of that talk had started so early on. But then things kind of got even worse in the feature. Uh, so TMS starts second. He was quickly by pole setter Taylor Reimer at the start. He officially led all 30 laps to score his first series win of the season. A few times, though, he and Kofoid traded sliders and questionable moves. Neither, though, ended up any worse for the wear. Things went downhill, though, for Buddy inside five to go. He was under fire from Justin Grant for second, and he tried a crossover move down the backstretch that turned into contact, and JG tipped over. Kofoid said afterwards that he didn't think JG was going low there and that it, he didn't make that move on purpose. And I think that's fair here, but it still wasn't a, a great decision in the moment, and JG certainly was not happy afterwards. His Nash Energy Drink uh, number two car got back on all four wheels, and rolling again, and JG made sure to share his feelings with Kofoid under that caution period. And I know it might be a little easy to kind of judge some of these moves uh, afterwards. It's a little bit Monday morning quarterback. So I think that's kind of something that needs to be taken uh, into account here is, is we're talking about this stuff after it happens. And it's much more difficult to make these decisions kind of in the heat of things. Timez ended up driving off to the win. Buddy ended up second on the night. Afterwards, we got kind of the typical Timez in his victory lane interview, the usual slide or die stuff. And for some reason, it always seems to work on the crowds. It ends up getting those big reactions. You know, he throws in a swear word or two, talks about slide or die, yells about the kids, and everybody's like, yeah, Timez. But then on the flip side, Kofoid gets booed do, uh, during his interview, and actually he even stopped while he was getting booed and then took the time to address the crowd in his comments. I don't really think we've seen spicy Kofoid before. I kind of liked it. 
So the night turned into the usual uh, comments about the quote kids and midget racing being broken and all of the uh, usual stuff you hear on a night like this on social media. From my perspective, though, I don't understand why some guys get a pass for bad moves and others don't. It's not okay when a young driver makes a bad slider, but it's cool when Grant or Meserol or other veteran guys do. The kids, quote kids here, need their asses kicked, but the veterans are just doing what they need to do and hey, that's racing with midgets. It's a really strange situation and I don't really understand the hypocrisy and the different set of rules depending on where you are kind of in the midget hierarchy. I feel though that midget racing is kind of unique in this place it currently finds itself. You don't really find this elsewhere in motorsports. You've got young inexperienced drivers who can get in top rides and go fast quickly. You don't really see that anywhere else. You've also got talented veterans in the mix who must kind of find their way through the moving chicanes at times. And I think it creates this slide or die mentality that is probably not good for anyone. The young drivers are trying to make names for themselves, so they're taking chances. And the veterans don't feel like they get respect, so it just turns into everyone dirtying each other all of the time. And if you're a race fan, it makes for great viewing and some great drama at times. Uh, And I think the rest of Midget Week could be pretty epic because of it. But none of this is really necessary. We've watched Donnie Schatz win 10 World of Outlaws championships and do it cleaner than maybe any driver ever. JG and Timez can sit here and bemoan the way they get raced, uh, but when they're the veterans setting the example, it, it falls on deaf ears here. And unfortunately for those paying for all of this equipment, I don't feel like this any of this is going to change anytime soon. Hopefully here, a couple of days off will let some of these drivers cool down a little bit. Indiana Midget Week continues on Wednesday over at Circle City. Uh, if you wanted some high-profile racing this weekend, the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series had that with 50000 to win on Saturday at West Virginia Motor Speedway. On Friday night in the appetizer, Devin Moran won a non-stop feature over Jonathan Davenport and bagged $15,000 for doing so. It's his fourth Lucas win of 2022. Moran led early from the pole, but Davenport slipped by on lap nine and drove away. Later, though, lap traffic allowed Moran to close back up on the 49 and eventually take back the top spot. On Saturday night, Davenport made sure that nobody could catch him, though. He started on the pole and led all 50 laps, bagging the 50 grand and his first Lucas win of the season. It's weird to actually say that that was his first Lucas win of the year. We think about all of the winning that Davenport has done this season, but hadn't won a Lucas feature yet. While Moran and Davenport were winning, it was a nice weekend for Greg Satterley, who had finishes third and fourth. Uh, it's also been a nice stretch for Ricky Thornton Jr., who has six straight tops, uh, top seven finishes. In the battle for the Lucas Championship, Brandon Shepard maintains the points lead, but he did give up ground to both Herb and McCready thanks to a 14th place result on Saturday night. McCready is currently 80 points back in second, with Herb another 30 back in third. The Lucas Light models are back on June 16th at Cherokee Speedway. It did feel like the car count seemed a little bit light both nights. 31 Friday, 32 Saturday. One, uh, The Friday feature was 1,000 to start and the other was 2,000 to start. I thought that might draw a few more guys in. I know we're headed into Eldora Million Week now, but I thought we'd have a few more cars with that type of money on the line. On the flip side of the National Late Model picture, the Outlaws had one race Friday night at Tri-City Speedway. Bobby Pierce led all 40 laps from the pole to earn his fourth career Outlaw win. Kyle Bronson and Ryan Gustin joined him on the podium with Kyle Larson down in sixth. Chase Briscoe, uh, the other NASCAR driver in the field, actually missed a feature transfer by just one spot in the night's first B-Main. Looks like they had a really good crowd there, and it was a very solid motorsports weekend in the St. Louis area with NASCAR also in town. Josh Richards was absent as he continues to recover from those injuries suffered at Eldora. Chubb Frank ended up driving that other Boom Briggs-owned car in the main event. 
The standings did tighten up just a little bit with Max Blair finishing eighth and Dennis Herb Jr. down in 12th. The gap is now 98 as the series takes a few weeks off before returning to Peevely on June 24th. In weekend sprint car action, we had both big series racing uh, with the Outlaws up north and the All-Stars in Ohio. The Outlaws were supposed to race twice, but the Sunday show at Husets ended up getting rained out, which was brutal after all of the work the track put in to get things cleaned up after that storm damage they suffered the week before. The race night isn't canceled, though, and will be added to the High Bank Nationals weekend at Husets later this month. Friday night at River City's Carson Macedo survived a bit of a rough track and an early challenge from Logan Schuhart to pick up his fifth win of 2022. He's now tied with Sheldon Hoddenshield for the most wins this season. Schuhart ended up sixth after getting caught out by the rough conditions and tipping over. A trip to the work area and some nice driving later salvaged a nice top 10 for that group. In the race for the championship, we've had one change in the top five with David Gravel back to second after Sheldon Hoddenshield went backwards in the feature and finished 13th. Sweet now leads Gravel by 52 with Sheldon third, Macedo fourth, and Schuhart fifth. Still only 88 points separate the top five. A big shout out to rookie driver Noah Gass for his run on Friday night. He hard charged from 17th to 10th, which is his uh, best outlaw finish to date in his first ever series top 10. It has not been easy for that group this year, as we figured it probably wouldn't be, but Friday night's performance was definitely a bright spot. The outlaws are at Knoxville this weekend for two nights. And in Ohio, the All-Stars had two shows Friday at Attica and Saturday at Atomic. On Friday, after a very spirited battle through the midpoint with Corey Elias, and Zeb Wise got away late in clean air for his first win of 2022. It was his third career series win and his uh, first win since Attica back in September of last year. It was a tough night for Parker Price Miller, who had issues multiple times and ended up 16th. PPM had more trouble than on Saturday at Atomic after leading a bunch of laps. He was one of many victims of popped right rear tires, and another 16th place finish has pushed him down to fourth in the standings. He now trails Tyler Courtney by 92. Definitely not the weekend that McGee team was looking for. That Saturday race was pretty wild, and we ended up with three different lap leaders and two Ohio regulars battling it out for the win. Cole Duncan eventually came out on top after getting by Travis Philo on the final lap and beating him back to the line. The track went kind of weird at the end, and it started eating tires. It didn't appear to really be a typical rubber down service, but that didn't stop it from consuming tires for PPM, Chris Windham, Dylan Westbrook, Justin Peck, and a bunch of other guys. And shout out to Danny Smith for picking up a top five result there. Uh, who knows? The, I, I went and looked. I can't even find the last time that Danny Smith finished top five with the All-Stars. It's been at least several years. Leaving the weekend with Ohio Sprint Speed Week coming up, Sunshine leads Peck by 64 with Hunter Schoenberg, PPM, and Cap Henry completing the top five. The series is right back at Attica on Friday night. In the win picks department, not a bad weekend for both me and the prediction formula. I had four correct. I had both Kofoid wins, Davenport on Saturday, and Cole Duncan at Atomic. The formula had both Kofoid wins as well. The formula is 13 for 96 this year, sitting at 13.5%. I'm 24 for 96. That's uh, exactly 25%. Uh, other weekend late model winners included Eli Beats on Ironman action at Ponderosa. Jake Tim was a Dirt Kings winner at Mississippi Thunder. Dustin Linville topped the Southern All-Stars at Richmond. Colton Flinner was a weekly winner at Port Royal. And Trevor Feathers won a Sunday at Hagerstown. Another weekend open wheel action, AJ Flick won all three Western PA Speed Week races and that mini series championship. Linton Jeffrey and Aaron Reitzel split 410 wins at Knoxville on Saturday night, and Danny Dietrich bagged the Steve Smith tribute race and $19,000 at Lincoln. 
Derek Hagar and Wayne Johnson picked up weekend ASCS regional victories, and Jake Newman won the MOA race Friday night at Tri-City that also included Alex Bowman and Chase Briscoe. Uh, there are two shows on the weekend streaming or the weekend streaming schedule on the streaming schedule today for this Monday. I should update my script there. Speed Sport has IMCA action from uh, Clay County Fair Speedway, and there is Flow Racing 24-7. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Have a good Monday. If you have thoughts about the topics on today's show, please leave them in the comments below or tweet at me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.